Podcast World 2 previously on Lost. This is episode number 44. And we're going to send out two for the road. Two for the road. And I am Mike, and I have with me some awesome co hosts with me. And I have Corey and Steven. What is up, guys? Not How's much, man. I hope that this uh, podcast episode uh, has a different ending to this TV episode. Because uh, otherwise, you're going to be hosting the show alone next time, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to draw straws. Listen, <laughs> that we had everything in this podcast. And we'll talk about that here in just a second. But, Stephen, how are you, man? Doing great. Doing great. How about yourself? Far far I'm better than Anna good. Lucia. <laughs> Everybody's doing better than Anna Lucia right now. <laughs> yeah, that's an understatement. But, I mean, this episode we're going to talk about, guys, Two for the Road, I mean, has everything in it. It's got it's got life. It's got death. It's got suspense. It's got guns. It's got rumbles in the jungle. It's got um, snoring on a cot <laughs> inside of a hatch. I mean, it's got everything you can imagine. It's such a weird episode and such an important episode. It is. It's like a pivot episode for this season. It's 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 almost as if this is the episode where they start to make that sharp turn toward speed up toward the finale for the season. Um, so because I know we only have a few more episodes of season two left. So we are getting close. And by the time everybody hears this podcast, congratulations to uh, the Kansas City Chiefs for winning the Super Bowl and um, retiring Tom Brady um from ever playing football again i'm not a bitter new england fan not at all (laughs) (laughs) you'll either sound you'll either sound really right or really wrong when when this when this comes out (laughs) that's right so uh, punks punks phil saw a shadow today so does that mean that we have six more years of tom brady (laughs) oh i don't know (laughs) <laughs> yeah, if, if you can't tell, the Super Bowl has not happened. Uh, it's actually Groundhog's Day, uh, which is so now you know more fitting. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Groundhog's Day is definitely more fitting in the uh, the 2020s than it was uh, maybe other decades. We we know a little bit what it's like to live the same day over and over again, <laughs> over and over. COVID sailor. Yep, COVID sailor. All right. I got to wear my mask. Yep, got to wear your mask. All right. This is over and over and over again. But hey, we're in 2021 now, so hopefully things will start to look up. So for all those who are listening, when you hear this, happy Valentine's Day to you and your significant uh, person as well. And we hope you enjoy it. Uh, don't eat too much cake. Um don't do anything that Sawyer and Anna Lucia wouldn't do. And with that being said, we are going to head into two for the road, 
We have been on oh. this island for 63 to 64 days now. I have, Pre- I have to say, sorry to interrupt uh, you, Mike. This episode is like the antithesis of uh, Valentine's Day, actually, because anybody who has like a romantic thing that comes up, they just get shot in cold blood and die. Uh, <laughs> you mean, listen, your Valentine's Day could either could go one of two ways, and this episode gives them both. It could end up with, with just absolutely ending terribly, or, yeah, or loss of cuddle time, according to Sawyer. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Sorry. So, I'll let you continue. <laughs> <laughs> we have veered way off cop topic on this one. <laughs> oh, previously on Lost, we see Anna Lucia kills the man who shot her. Then she warns Michael of the others and says they are smart and cannot be underestimated. Michael threatens Jack with a gun and says he's going after his son alone. Walt! Jack tells Henry that he plans on trading him for Walt, but Henry says they will never return Walt to them. Y'all like the way I do Walt every single time. Michael (laughs) emerges from the jungle and collapses. All right. So here's the summary we've got. Uh... Season 2, episode 19. This aired April 12th, uh, 2006. It was directed by Paul Edwards and written by Elizabeth Sarnoff and Christina M. Kim. Uh, Jack and Kate bring an exhausted Michael back to the camp where uh, he has news about the others. Meanwhile, Ana Lucia attempts to get the prisoner, Henry Gale, to confess to being a spy for the others. And he attempts to kill her. Also, Hurley plans a surprise date for Libby. That sounds like a fun side story <laughs> to kind of like balance it out. Like, that'll be a nice one. Yeah. Yeah. They've invited Jen along. It's like when they go golf. It's like a pleasant to, uh, you know, to uh, contrast the others. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we've got a few episode facts here. Um, when Anna Lucia meets her mother on the roof of the LAPD motor pool near the beginning of the episode, the numbers on the roofs of the patrol cars are 4, 8, 15, 16, 23, and 42. Uh, the number of, on the roof of Anna Lucia's car is difficult to read, but looks like an F8. Mm. Um Ana Lucia was always meant to die at the end of the second season because actress Michelle Rodriguez only committed the one season as she wanted to remain available for other projects. However, as her character was unpopular with a lot of Lost fans, the writers thought that her death would not generate that big a shock. They chose to kill off Libby as well as she was a beloved character. Another reason for killing off Libby was that the writers ran out of ideas for her present day storyline. They had several ideas for flashbacks, but most of these did not materialize due to Watros being unavailable in later seasons. So, as you're talking about this, I have to say that I kind of agree with the fact that Ana Lucia was not one of my favorite characters in the show. Um, I felt like they wanted to do more with her, but either they didn't know what to do with her, or she just came across very, very... um, abrasive her character and she wasn't written very well um she she had a good few good moments but i just i don't i, I wasn't a huge fan of Ana lucia um 
Libby, I hated they didn't they didn't keep her a little bit longer to help develop Hurley a little bit more. Well, well I gotta say, like I, I know that we get these facts mostly off Lostpedia, but I, I mean, I wouldn't think I wouldn't consider Libby a more beloved character than Ana Lucia. I mean, I I think Libby is probably you know fondly thought of more because of Hurley than because of actual Libby. Um. You know, and the relationship that her and Hurley had going on. But I mean, I to me, Anna Lucia dying, you know, was is a bigger character than than Libby. Um, I take on it. Well, as far as story goes, I think you're right. Um, I think that uh, Anna Lucia for sure has a bigger impact on the story itself. But as far as like who people loved, and I don't even think people really loved. Um, uh, uh, you know, um, Libby as much as you say too, because if she wasn't attached to Hurley, to be honest, I don't really even think people would even have noticed Libby much. Um, because yeah. she, she did, she didn't really have a a alpha leader kind of uh, personality. She she would have been like the log carrying Steve. <laughs> well, yeah, I. I... I think that it's more the Hurley of it that made this this death so powerful more than the Libby right. of it. Yeah, I would I would disagree a little bit on some of the sentiment for Ana Lucia, at least for from my point of view. I like her as a character. I think that she is a very abrasive character, and um, that's just like part of what makes her an interesting character. And but she's also probably polarizing. But on top of this, I think for any type of show with the popularity and the obsession that Lost has, and you could see it with other shows like The Walking Dead and other things that really uh, grew a huge fan base, is that when you bring on new characters that are like sucking away the screen time from the other characters, there's just going to be a lot more criticism revolving around them, where I think that Libby and Aunt Lucia maybe had like harsher... Uh, criticism like when this was airing and that's why that says you know people didn't like her but as like as time is it settled in as time went on people i think have grown to like on lucia a lot more as a character and i mean she does she kills it she does a lot of frustrating stuff in the first half of the season but it's like that's part of what makes her a uh, dynamic character is that she is so on edge from kind of having this ptsd from trying to survive for 40 some days with, you know, the others, uh, kind of haunting them. And I think, I think, I think you're right though. I also think part of it is the fact that this was the first time I think on network television that they had had such a huge ensemble of a cast. Like, you know, you normally have, you know, you could have three, four, five people in a cast to be okay. But, I mean, you're talking a cast of almost 15 to 20 people that you're trying to share a 42-minute time slot before, you know, without commercials of screen time with. That's a lot of screen time. That's a little bit of screen time for so many people. And I think when you do that, people, like kind of like you said, you know, like Ana Lucia kind of got the brunt of it where people were so invested in all these other people that they didn't see Ana Lucia as much, so they didn't have as much time to invest in her. Because before this episode, the last time we saw Ana Lucia was what? All she's relegated to doing is watching the door where Henry's at. 
And then before that, it was, hey, nobody likes me, but Jack, you you want to start an army? I mean, they, we we didn't really see anything from her. And and I think that's one reason why people didn't connect with her because we had we had an entire first season where we had got invested in the main core, and then we had this new group just get thrown in, and we just like we expect one episode of the other forty eight days to catch up and invest in these people, and I think people just didn't didn't take to that. Well, Ana Lucia's uh, larger role is in the first half of the season as we get to know her, and they're coming across the island. And it's true, like, the, the second half of the season, it, there's a lot more, like, hanging around camp because everybody gets gets together. And I agree that I wish that she had a little more to do. She does, they do try to filter in, like, a scene with her, um, you know, here and there, you know, in most episodes. But she doesn't really get a whole lot to do uh, besides kind of, like, taking up this uh, partnership with Jack where she essentially kind of becomes a prison guard. And right. yeah, it, it's a little bit of a bummer that she doesn't have, like, she doesn't do, she doesn't make too many decisions uh, in her last episode here. But I do think it is a good episode, and and she has some good. I mean, there's a lot of drama in this episode. It's just it's different. There's not as much like running around uh, as there much as there is just like intense dramatic moments. Right. All right. Well, we'll 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 finish out our episode facts here, so we can get on to the to the actual episode. Uh, a few more here. Cynthia Watros was very upset when she learned of her character's demise. Apparently, Damon and Carlton felt so bad about this that they helped engineer her getting a pilot at CBS called My Ex Life back in 2006, though it ultimately wasn't picked up to series. Um. This episode marks the first appearance of Gabrielle Fitzpatrick, who plays Lindsay Littleton. Um, <laughs> we, we see. Uh, we won't get into her yet. Um, for the scene in front of the last call bar, the crew could not get all the steering wheels on the right side of the vehicles, as would be appropriate for Australia, so the film was reversed left to right in editing. To achieve this effect, the art department reversed many elements and shots, including the letters on the signs, shirt pockets, and rings. A mole can be seen on the wrong side of Michelle Rodriguez's face. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that it does sound like a difficult thing to get a... Like, trying to dress a car to where the steering wheel look like looks like it really belongs on the other side. I don't know how the heck you do that. So, it's a little nifty trick there they pulled. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, let's. So then, let's talk about this episode. Um, since we're <laughs> since we're talking about it already. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I. Uh, I let's just keep going. The... Let's talk about Ana Lucia. Let's talk about her flashback, and let's talk about her her here in the present. Let's just keep going with her because this yeah, is our last episode. We're gonna get to talk to her about her. Uh, frankly, I kind of thought we already were. I had to step away from the mic for a second to close my window. No, <laughs> I came back no, and I thought, I thought we were already in it. Uh, but yeah, you know, let's just keep going, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I, I, should we should we start with her backstory, perhaps? Um, lot lot going on with that kind of interesting story. Uh, sure. I she has more to like do in the backstory in this episode, which this is a really 
it's kind of a bizarre uh, flashback episode because most of the main characters all get their like pre-oceanic flashback, like right before it kind of tells the story of like how what were they what they were doing in um, and this is finally hers, and I don't think um, do we get we might get some. There might be one like that for Echo as well, but uh, but it's also a crossover with Christian, you know, kind of crossing over to Jack, There's, yeah. uh, Sawyer for a second. But it does. It, it this is kind of like the end of the Ana Lucia trilogy of flashbacks because it it really does conclude the story that took place over the first two flashbacks for her. I I enjoyed. The Christian and Anna Lucia team up. I, I like the fact that the we, you know, we get different Christian shepherds, and this this Christian shepherd was kind of the the all knowing, you know, the the guy who seems like he knows more of what's than what's really going on, and probably more than he does. Like he, I, I like this version of Christian, um, you know, even as he. Sets sets out to you know drink himself to death, um, but the the whole I thought the scene where they met at the you know at the airport after she wanted him and he asked her to go, you know go to Sydney with him as a do do we feel like this is just coincidence or is there more to it than this? Hmm. It doesn't, it feels like more than coincidence when this happens. There's something, I I really like the interaction in the bar. And this is a hard setup to pull off. Like, I don't know who came up with this idea. But the, the pairing is definitely unexpected to have this washed up doctor and this ex cop team up i mean just you look at the two i mean i don't know how what the age difference is but maybe 20 years it's just it seems like an unlikely pairing um but but they set it up really well yeah i mean i I think they they put the words in christian's mouth you know he kind of comes to realize that they do have a lot in common and i think maybe some of that's for us as as viewers you know one just stopped being a cop one just stopped being a doctor they both have issues from working with their you know parent or or son um so i mean they do really have a lot of similarities that yeah you wouldn't you wouldn't think until you actually you know they kind of spell it out for you it's to me this is reminiscent of the uh the christian that we're going to get on the island a lot Uh, i think coming in mainly in season four, but like once we, when you start to get not the real Christian, but this kind of uh, authoritative figure who talks to Jack and maybe someone else uh, at, at some point, not Jack, sorry, John. And yeah. And you get a little bit of that. He's being, you know, he's got this very philosophical, you know, destiny. And it's interesting seeing this side of, of Christian. It it is. I really like the fact that throughout the entirety of the show's run, that you see Christian interact with multiple people 
and have some kind of influence in multiple people's lives. Um, obviously, we know Ana Lucia. We we know we know Jack, but to see that he he is such a a a and even in Claire's life, obviously, <laughs> but but to see that he is he is almost like the pawn piece on the chessboard that you don't realize that you need to move pieces together to, to, to set the play up, but he is, he, he, he's an important piece. And, um, this one, like you guys said with Ana Lucia, I think this story with her was good because I think she needed it because to see how bad off he was, you know, when they stopped before he opened the door up to hit Sawyer and for him to say, Hey, look, fate has smiled upon us once again. And, you know, it's a cocktail bar. <laughs> <laughs> and and she realizes by looking at him, no, I'm not going to go in there. And this is the moment she realizes, holy crap, I screwed up and I ran away from my problems. And that's what this guy's doing. And I need to own up to my problems. And that's when we see her call her mom and say, mom, I shouldn't have ran away. I need help. And she, she realized that by seeing she saw her future in Christian Shepherd that I think it was necessary for her character to, to grow and uh, just to see how influential he is in other people's life, whether he knew it or not, what he was doing, I thought it was really good. So, yeah, I think the I wrote down here that the, their beginning here in the airplane airport bar, is, you know, where there's some chemistry is a far cry from how they end when, you know, she's looking at him. And they seem like it's like why would she want to be around this guy at all? Like spending time with him, like there just doesn't seem any connection by that point. And she's ready to to leave. I mean, she does have some sympathy and wants him to to leave as well. I mean, I, I guess they're both kind of whatever, um, really at these low points, and that's why they connected. So yeah, it's it's sad. And Anna, I mean, it's sad. Like Christian is a tragic character here, and like how his downfall, I guess, drinking himself to death is sad. It's it's sad seeing him because he goes from having a good, I don't know, they're having a, a an interesting conversation where they're where you you're, you see this other side of Christian, and then he sees the bar, and it's like a switch is flipped, and he's, um, you know, you see how fragile he is at this point. Yeah. And then the, the thing that's so tragic for Anna is that she she's finally, after murdering this dude in cold blood and going through, uh, you know, all this difficult, uh, probably uh, PTSD from getting shot and losing her her uh, child, um, unborn child, that uh, she's finally going to go home. And then she doesn't because the plane crashed. And then, like, all that paranoia and all that, like, difficult stuff that she had kind of been dealing with before all comes back in the form of the island. And then it's just it. She's definitely got to be up there as one of the most tragic characters of the show. So yeah. I go ahead, Steve, because I, I have a question to ask after this. No, I was going to say, and, and, you know, then we have to think about her. Her mom was going to be meeting her there at the airport. So, you know, she's. She's there waiting for her daughter to, to come home, and she right. never makes it. So, yeah, definitely a, a tragic end. And obviously we know how Christian Shepard met his end 
you know, from this scene. So yeah, you know, it's kind of a, it's good that she makes that decision to, to not go in and, you know, or else she might've ended up like Christian, but she, you know, ended up in a very different <laughs> situation. Right. All right. So I have a question and I'm going to poke, poke the bear on this question. I just know it. All right. Oh boy. Earlier, earlier <laughs> in, I believe season two, all right, Jack and Sarah end up splitting up and getting a divorce, okay? So at this bar meeting between Anna Lucia and Christian, he calls her Sarah, obviously to me in reference to Jack's former wife, <laughs> his daughter-in-law. We don't know who Sarah was seeing when she split it off with Jack. He has suspicions it's his father. Uh, so, could this be, could it, could it be that he was willing to call this random girl Sarah? He could have called her by any other name. He could have called her his, 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 his wife's name, uh, his, I mean, his last wife's name. He could have called her anything else, but he chooses Jack's former wife's name, Sarah. Do you think that Christian Shepard was the actual other guy with this being planted here? I personally do not. I, I think I haven't watched that episode in a while where Jack is suspicious of him, but, but I, I think he makes it clear, you know, that Jack, you know, that, that nothing was going on between them and Jack was just being paranoid. I don't remember exactly how that played out, but, but if I recall, he was actually trying to help, their marriage in some way and oh he was helping jack, the marriage <laughs> jack was taking it another way um i do think that yeah the the choice of the name sarah is is obviously very interesting i it's don't know suspicious yeah i mean it's kind of like when Locke had his um you know his real life helen that he had a relationship with and then he had his um phone friend um who he called helen uh i mean i don't know if it's somewhat of a I, i'm not a, a psych major here some sort of transference going on maybe christian just really thinks highly of sarah and just you know just <laughs> therefore thinks positively well, I, of the name i don't know i do think there okay i do like the words you use transference because Throughout all, you know, I, I want to give you. This is probably like the, one of the most brutal examples I'm ever going to give. So, one of the Roman emperors, for example, you always attribute somebody else to somebody that you know. Like transference is a real thing that people deal with. I can't remember the name of the Roman emperor right now, um, but one of the Roman emperors um, kicked his wife to death. Was so torn up about it. The history tells us he went and found a little boy who looked just like her and ended up ended up may calling him by her name and made him stay looking like her and transfer his former wife's image to this little boy. So what I'm what 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 I'm what, what I'm getting of course it was a different time period back then, guys. We're not advocating that. What I'm saying is it <laughs> But but what I'm saying is I'm sparing some of the details in that story on purpose. Um, it happens. People who are important to certain people 
transfer to other people when they when they I, I I guess when they die. So I guess a modern day example would have been like Black Mirror when the I believe when the oh what was that episode where one of the spouses dies and they get a robot that is almost just like that spouse. But the robot ends up living forever, but the wife doesn't, or the husband does. I can't remember. But there's a but there's a transference factor. So I appreciate that use of that word. That's why I thought maybe he did hook up with Sarah because of this. Yeah, I, I'm gonna have to side with with Steven on this one. Ah. I don't. I don't think so. <laughs> uh, you know, maybe he just had a, a phone friend. You know. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I feel like Christian I feel like Christian really thinks his son screwed up that marriage. Like I feel like he, you know, he tried to get his son to, you know, when he was, you know, since he was kind of flirting with the girl who he was doing surgery on the father that he ended up kissing. I, I feel like Christian was really trying to help his son save that marriage because i think he probably does think you know sarah's a really good white person and uh i he, I, I personally think he probably just thinks highly of sarah and kind of thinks his son screwed that up well now we eventually do meet um someone who sarah has seen in a different episode i believe and may actually even be uh, the flash forward episode through the looking glass. So, you know, that's years later, could be a different guy, but we do meet a guy that she is with, um, uh, her I, husband. And it, it's definitely obviously. <laughs> I, I think there, I think there's an episode at the beginning of season three where in one of Jack's where, where Jack comes out looking really bad in the, in the flashback because he's, you know, kind of stalking Sarah and her new, her new bow. Oh, yeah. that's right. It's it's like one of the first episodes of season three, I believe. It might be the very. I think it might be uh, Tales of Cities, one. actually. Um. So yeah, yeah. But what I wanted to just point out, yeah, the significance of Tom and Sarah, it it, it definitely feels like something is there, and you know we've got Sarah, uh, Jack's ex-wife, who we're talking about. And then we have Tom Friendly, he's the other Tom in the show. My theory, a little bit different, is it possible that Friendly and Sarah are like long lost siblings and that Sarah <laughs> was supposed to come to the island and be an other? And could that still happen in like a lost reboot? They bring her in, they kind of do like a modern family thing uh, on oh the goodness. island. <laughs> oh my goodness. But that, that's a, way, that's a theory, all right. <laughs> by the way, the emperor was Nero, the Roman emperor Nero, and I I, I, I couldn't remember who it was, but it makes sense. Yeah, he was a messed was, up guy, to say the least. Nero was a messed up guy, yeah. So, okay. <laughs> Nero's, Nero's palace. I just I, I just wanted y'all to make sure I wasn't just making up a, a Roman emperor story, but no, he he got he got mad at his pregnant wife and kicked her to death. Well, so it was it was uh dude was messed up to begin with but anyways that's a horrible thing <laughs> to do and it's only one on the many 
on the list of many things that Nero did that were messed <laughs> yes. up. Yes. But, uh, no, I like, by the way, I like my logic better that Christian got with Sarah rather than Friendly and Sarah being just lost siblings. I just want you to know that. I'm only doing that because you spited me on my theory. <laughs> <laughs> you on that one. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, no. the, the only other Tom I can think of is Kate's childhood friend. Wasn't his name Tom, the one that she got killed? But oh, yeah. I cannot think of any way that that could be related to Christian at all. I don't. I feel like Christian doesn't know about that Tom. Hey, Christian got around. I'm just saying. I mean, it could be. I, I The only thing I would think about Tom Friendly, the problem I would see there would be the age difference between him and her, between him and Sarah. There's yeah. a, there seemed to be a significant age gap um, between those two. Well, uh, and then again, Anna, Anna Lucia picked the name Tom, so maybe that was just another police officer she had a crush on or something. You know, was that the name picked, of Michael Cudlitz, uh player in that uh, or, or person in there? I don't think that was – I can't remember his name, but I don't think it was Tom. We do learn his name, but – I'm looking it up now while we're talking. <laughs> no, no, he played uh, Mike Walton. Yeah. No. Walton. No. Wait a minute. He was like Big Big Mike or something. Didn't they yeah. call him Big Mike or Big Mike? Yeah. All right. Never mind. It was. <laughs> it it, it would have been nice. I'm just saying. <laughs> All right. Well. Also in this backstory, another thing I thought was kind of interesting is is how they tied this in to the scene with Jack, you know, where, you know, we see again Jack trying to convince this air, airport employee to, to let his father's casket clear customs. You know, basically, the first time we meet Ana Lucia is... You know, right after this, when she meets Jack in the in the hotel bar, and now we see that she had actually witnessed this. You know, apparently a lot of people witnessed Jack trying to convince this agent. And I mean, I don't know if do you do we think Ana Lucia knew that this was Christian's son? Like, do you think she put those two together that this was? Because she didn't, she obviously didn't know his name, but you know, it's his son. He was a doctor. You know, he just died in Australia. Do you think she knew that Jack was trying to get Christian, the person that she had been spending time with? Do you think she made that connection? That's a good question. I don't know. I don't know. I I, I would say no. I don't think so. There's not really any other implication. That she gives across, you know, that, that she knew, uh, you know, about, you know, she doesn't really, she doesn't reference this. There's no, like, there's a couple moments where it's clear with Sawyer and Jack that they're, they're trying to tell us that, um, that Sawyer kind of has figured it out. But there's never a moment like that for Anosia. So we think it's just, just coincidence that. That she happened to overhear that and then happened to have a drink with Jack at the bar after that. I think I, I thought it was kind of interesting how that all tied together. You know, we, we had seen the the kind of little meet cute scene at the bar at the end of season one. And now we come full circle to that 
to, you know, how she got to that point. Yeah. Definitely uh, interesting kind of, uh, um, you know, correlation between those two scenes. So I, I, is there anything else to talk about with her backstory or should we, should we move on to the island stuff? Okay. So I, I will say this real quick. I, I did look up too while we were talking Tom's in the series of Lost <laughs> just because I'm determined to figure out this 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 scenario. All right. So there are multiple Toms in the series. You have Tom, which is Mr. Friendly. You have Tom Brennan, which is Kate's friend. You have uh, Claire's boyfriend's name was Tom. Uh, Charlie's friend was named was Tom, the one he met in the bar before he went and stole the flask. And then Tom Sawyer, the alias of Anthony Cooper. That's right. So in Lostpedia, which is, you know, the Bible for Lost says that Christian's nickname for Anna was Sarah, the name of his son's ex-wife. Just saying. <laughs> 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 well, if well, media says it, it must be true. <laughs> That's they right. did this just to screw with us that, so that we'd be talking about this. Absolutely. <laughs> they knew exactly what was going on. <laughs> oh, that's funny. All right. So before we get off Anna Lucia's backstory, the one thing I just thought we hadn't touched on is the the child, Christian's child. Um, and I mean, I remember the theory going around, you know, when, when the show was out, I remember the theory that Claire is, was Jack's sister had been around for a while. And I know that this episode really pushed that. So in this episode, we learned that Christian has a daughter and apparently he's paying the mortgage on, on the house, um, do did do you guys do you, do you think you made the connection here that this was Claire's mom at this point? I'll be honest, I know that I didn't. I was completely oblivious to this. Uh, I, I mean, I think I've mentioned before I did the DVDs for the first uh, three seasons, and I didn't binge it like people binge today I mean, you actually have to take the disc out and put it in <laughs> no, no, we would do a couple a day or something like that not uh not like all in like two days or something so there was enough time to think about it but no i never i never thought of this um i didn't think of the whole lock uh you know anthony cooper uh sawyer connection either so that just might just be that you know i don't have that much creative of an imagination when I'm currently when I'm watching the show, but I know both of those theories were very popular and they turned out to be true. I yeah. later learned that <laughs> when you're watching it live on TV every week, that's when you're really diving into Lostpedia because you need to, you need to do something with yourself for a week while you wait for the next episode. <laughs> so I did more of that. In the latest. And, and that, and that's why where Lostpedia was born and man, that I, I I spent way too much time on Lostpedia back when this was going on. <laughs> I think a yeah. lot of people did. <laughs> yeah, so, no, I you, did not go. I, I was just gonna say that no, I didn't. I, I didn't put it together either, either Stephen. I could. I thought something was up that he was in Australia, but I always thought that 
for some reason, right when I first started, I always thought Claire was British. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just, you know, when it started, I did. Um, but that's the series. You go, oh, she's from Australia. Okay, cool. Never mind. So <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't put it together. I just did think it was odd that you that we, yeah, like everybody, like. The rumor mill was going crazy when he said, I have a right to see my daughter. And we're like, holy crap, who's the daughter? Because all we know is you have Jack. Everybody wanted to know who the daughter was. Yeah, and now it just it seems not not completely obvious, but definitely highly likely. To, <laughs> to new watchers, they, they may not know who it is. Again, I think when you're watching... Uh, one episode a week and you have time to really analyze every second, then you, you know, get, get down to some good theor- theorizing or some yeah. ridiculous ones. But. Go uh, ahead. So do you guys want to talk about Anna and um, Henry and like that, that pretty intense scene early in the episode? Yeah. When she when when she uh, when she gets attacked, uh, this this is I mean I know I've said this a million times, but you just see the wool coming off, you know, or whatever the the, the saying is. You can see uh, Ben Linus like coming into his own, like yep. progressively throughout this uh, season. And this is really the last episode we get of Henry Gale as we know him in the Hatch, because he's gone after this. We get a few episodes without him, and then he is like genuinely Ben Linus and we see him so this is like the uh the moth really just coming out of the cocoon here <laughs> yeah he did he he played this part exceptionally well um man, man, manipulated on Lucia so well right well what's really crazy about it the majority of the time we have seen him so far Mike Emerson has been in one little room. You know, he got out into the kitchen once. We saw him in the net, but the majority we've been spending all this time with him in one room with nothing else going on and just him interacting with character after character after character. He gets beat up, he gets he's on, you know, he's on the edge of being murdered many times, but he still always seems like he's in control. Yeah. Which is really just what makes it such a fascinating character that even here, I mean, you know, we have the first scene where, you know, he gets, he gets her to, to come in close so he can attack her. And even when she's pointing the gun at him at the end of the episode, you still feel like he's in control, which is just crazy (laughs) considering the situation he's in with no weapons tied up in this hatch. And and he feels like he has the upper hand on everybody. It's really fun to watch. Well, his his words are his weapon. I mean, he has gotten into everybody's mind. He's he's messed with Saeed. He's messed with uh, with Locke. Obviously, he's messed with now with Ana Lucia. He's messed a little bit with Jack. And what he does to Locke this episode? I mean, he does some great work this episode. You know, oh man, telling yeah. Locke he was on the way to get him. I mean that that sends Locke on a whole different like his. Locke's trajectory changes from that conversation forward where, you know, he feels like, you know, the, he really starts becoming more of an other than a, than one of our losties because of this conversation. 
Yeah, and he goes on that journey, which is going to essentially start here, which I kind of forgot about that, uh, that he, he tells Locke this. And it eventually takes him to where he becomes the leader at the end of season four. And, you know, which is very brief. <laughs> and then, you know, all this stuff happens in season five. And he it never really comes to, uh, never is really fulfilled. But yeah, it's, it's a one heck of a, a journey that begins right here. Yeah. And so what do you, I think that it's just one of the best scenes of this episode. And there's a lot of great scenes. But when, when uh, Henry says to, to John, because you're one of the good guys, John. Like that is, oh, what a great line! I forgot about that. And it's very convincing. You could you could mm-hmm. tell Locke is struggling, which I don't think he completely buys in in this episode because he's still right. on board with the Jack Jack's plan and Michael's plan. But you, know, it's definitely starting to uh, you know work on him. And w- what does this mean? Because I feel like this is some a quote that gets looked back at or, or gets replayed a lot in the, the previously unlost segments. Um, and we, a lot of people talk about the good ones versus the bad ones or the people on the list versus off the list, like Jacob's list, because obviously the others think of some people as really expendable and some is like not expendable. They want them to be join the others. I think, I think when you're talking about loss, you're looking at truth as being very subjective so to yeah. the other's mindset, which is which can be dangerous if both parties think think they're right, to to the others and to Ben, they are the good guys. Like they are doing the good work. You know, we mm-hmm. we we later find out that the law that the island has to stay hidden because there are dangerous people looking to get there. Um, so they're protecting the island in a way. They're they're doing what they can, and then you have the losties who are who are the good ones too, because they didn't start the fight <laughs> with the others. They, they're just trying to protect themselves and, and, and get off the Island. So you have two people who are equally just as right. One's trying to protect the Island and one's trying to get off the Island. They don't want to be there and they don't want the other one there. So they're, they're, they're both good. So that's why he said, John, you want to be here. You want to protect this place because it, in a way you want to protect it because it's, it's, it's helped you. And that makes you one of the good guys. Yeah. And, I mean, obviously Ben doesn't have a very high opinion of Ana Lucia, um, you know. And I thought that what he did to her in two of these scenes I thought was really interesting along these lines about how, you know, she you know, she, she is basically calling him a killer. And, and he said, you're the killer, Ana Lucia. You know, you killed two of us in cold blood that were leaving you alone, which I was thinking about. I don't know that they were ever leaving them alone, so I don't exactly know what two he was referring to there. But then even at the end when, you know, he he says that, you know, Goodwin spoke up for you and, and you know, you killed Goodwin. It cost him his life. And then she said he was going to kill me. And then, you know, one of my favorite parts of this episode is when Ben, you know, says – yeah, was he? And it really makes her stop and think. It's like, holy crap, was this guy actually going to kill? You know, like, I thought that was one of the funnest parts of the episode is when he really put that in her head. Because obviously she had some connection with Goodwin. They'd spent a lot of time together. 
And I found that really interesting how he just put that doubt in her head there. Yeah, and it's, I think it's convincing to the audience to convincing in that it, it makes us question things. And we'll, we'll later get Goodwin, and it makes it more questionable because uh, he's trying to blur the lines here. And he's so good at that as a character. Um, and he does it. We can see him do it to the characters, but we can also kind of see him, you know, spinning these lies to the audience as well and making us question everything. So it's it's a really good job. Uh, I, I, just to mention that line one more time, when he talks about the good ones, um, that John is one of the good ones, definitely reminds me there's a, uh, of the line we're going to get at the very end of the season when when Ben says, you know, we're the good guys, right? Isn't I think that's like the end of season two. Um, yeah. And yeah, he tells Mike. He tells Michael that. Yeah, we're Michael the good guys. Asked who they were. Yeah. <laughs> And it's it really it, it begins to set up what is going to be a deep dive into uh, the others in season three, but it's it's really interesting because this is like now we are starting to see like we're starting to question everything we had built up about the others in season one, you know, not really knowing a whole lot about them, just what we heard from Rousseau and from Ethan. So yeah, it's right. very a lot of. Uh, you know, there's been so many good scenes in that little gun um, safe, you know, area that they really wanted to just like send it out with a bang. Like there's several very dramatic scenes in there. And I tried to put my mind in the place of someone who hadn't seen this episode, like what you'd be thinking, because, you know, when Anna gets attacked and then when Anna goes in there to try to shoot to kill Henry, like they build it up like he, it might happen right there. And it would definitely change the dynamics of, uh, of what the other people are doing with the, the trade and, or um, with Michael, I guess. So when, so when speaking of Michael, so when Michael walks into the, the safe and sees Henry or Ben and Ben stands up, do you think Ben knew that, that Michael got released to come get him out? Or do you think it was just kind of like a shock, like he could, he's probably going to kill me? Or do you think it was, okay, they only would have released him knowing he had a plan to do? Yeah, I think I think that Ben has a really good idea of what's going to happen. Right. That if, if he's been gone that long, that means he got close enough to where he's been captured. And if they've captured him they are going to try to do something with him. They're going to try to send him with a list or whatever. And yeah, I think he's, I don't think he, he may not know a hundred percent, but he's probably got a very good idea. Right. Okay. Yeah. So to, to, to talk about Michael, uh, so Michael gives this, this speech about, you know, they only have two guns. Like, they're worse off than we are. Like this is what I found. They this they have one hatch and there's there's two guards and they are just you know hillbillies. Pretty emphatic uh, speech he gives. Like today, you know, we can see right through it. Do, do, do you think this was believable at the time? It's hard for me to tell. I I feel like it def it definitely you wanted to believe it. Um, 
you know, I mean, Michael, he's he's one of our heroes, you know, he's one of our group. So, you you know, you want to believe what he's saying. And that's what I think makes this episode so shocking is, is you know, what happens after that. But, I mean, I think he gave a pretty good speech. The, the part that made me really wonder, though, is we recently, was it last episode or the episode before, we just had Kate tell Jack, or I think it was right before they found Michael, Kate told Jack that, you know, they found this hash, they found the beards, they found, you know, they found that they were costumes, basically. So Kate knows this, and she's sitting here listening to Michael's story. Jack just got told this, and he's listening to Michael's story. And I'm surprised that that information didn't come up in any of their mind. Because it seems like at this point, they're going along with Michael. And I just wonder why they didn't have some sort of a, hey, wait... You know, he's saying that they're, you know, they're really dressed like this, but, you know, we also found these costumes. What's something's not lining up here. So I thought it was weird that they, that that didn't come up in this episode. I think it's, it's definitely a little too good to be true. And like from the audience point of view, I, you know, I, I was trying to figure out what I would have thought. And I think it's that you believe Michael, but you think that Michael has been tricked, that they, you know, they put this front up for him, which is kind of the truth. And but we, we, I don't think we're suspecting that Michael is going to. Nobody's suspecting that Michael is going to do what he does in this episode. You may think that he could do something like let the guy go. But as far as like killing two people, like. What I'm trying to gauge at is, it, is there any point where you can suspect the ending? And I really don't think there is. Well, I don't I. I, I, I do think that people made the story – I think he made the story believable. I just think that the person who didn't believe him I think was Ana Lucia because when you watch that scene where he's telling the story and he says, well, it's just a bunch of old people and we can take him, that kind of thing, she kind of rolled her eyes and turned her head because she's sitting her, – because in her mind she, she's thinking, what about all those nights on the other side where it was younger people who were coming in and, and, and stealing people in our camp? A bunch of older people could, couldn't have done that, wouldn't have been able to do that. You know, and the two people Echo killed were young. Goodwin was a young guy. So I don't I don't think she bought any of his story at all. And I almost think that's one reason why Michael had to kill Ana Lucia. You know, he could have easily got the combination, um, somehow got the combination and got gotten him out any other way. But I think because she didn't believe the story he was going to try to silence her before she could say anything or try to even cast any more or cast any doubt in the locker Jack's mind about his about his lie. I mean, let's let's be honest. Michael was in the pit with Sawyer um, that honestly put her put them in there. Uh, he heard the story about the other guy in the pit who ends up dying <laughs> And then she sees her like you know screw around with, with Sawyer by like making it, like punching him in the wound like his his bad gunshot wound, and then he's there when she accidentally kills Shannon. I I really think that uh, I know this sounds bad, but you know Michael probably was like I have to kill this person. This is horrible. But Anosia like he probably doesn't feel quite as guilty. Like she she has done a lot of bad things that he is been an eyewitness to so 
but you know that's yeah uh so yeah he, he, just he, to confirm <laughs> that he he's not really uh it's not like this is uh michael turning on kate or someone he spent a lot of time with well when you say that i think he he definitely um feels worse about Libby, you know, I he I you feel like he really feels bad when he does that to Libby. Um, you know, more well, that so was than Anna. That was unintentional, though. He didn't yeah. mean to. He, she 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 spooked him. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I I gotta say, I mean, I remember watching this episode um, when it aired, and. I, you know, this is probably to this day the most shocking thing I've ever seen in a TV show I've watched. Like this one threw me for a loop. Yeah, I, I've never seen you know one of your heroes just murder two other you know of your main people just in you know at the time cold blood because you, you still don't know what's happening. You, you're trying to. I remember there was a, a preview for the next episode right after this, and they showed Michael at the end of like a long hallway with the, with his arm in a sling, and just looking foreboding. It's like you just you just took you know one of the heroes of the show and made him a villain, and you I personally definitely did not see this coming, and it I mean I just remember sitting there after watching this episode just in shock like what just happened. So I would say for me, I definitely didn't see this coming. <laughs> like this, this one really surprised me. And to this day, I, I don't know I've ever been more shocked at a TV show than this moment. Yeah, I, I agree. I was actually trying to look up like the most shocking TV episodes uh, briefly right before we got on here. And I couldn't find, I mean, I found this in one thing, but a lot of, I found a lot of people will go lost and they'll put instead of shocking, like twist, you know, through the looking glass, you know, that we have to, we have to go back, which is shocking in a different way. But I think it's, it's way, it's, it's still different than this. This is just like, hits you like, what the heck? Um, it's crazy. And, you know, people can bring up the red wedding game of Thrones, I mean, that was already written in a book, so it wasn't really. <laughs> that's that's the closest one I would think of. That's the only other one I could think of that was really on this level is the Red Wedding. Um, as far as, again, obviously I hadn't read the book. So, you know, to the people who hadn't read the books, I think that one was a pretty big surprise in that they killed, you know, spoiler alert, so many of the main, you know, heroes of that show. I, I think that's a great comparison. It, it is, but that almost just in that world, it seems like a little more likely. They're kind of walking into a trap in that episode where this, it almost feels like random. Like it, it, there's no signals to this happening, in my opinion. So, yeah, I, I mean, th this is this is the character that you root for. Yeah, this this guy, he went out. He's trying to get his son. He had his son stolen off his bow he's trying to get him you know you're rooting for this guy and then for him to do this i mean it really was a shocker and uh i rem i i mean i don't know that we want to go down this road but in light of you know society today and everything that's going on i remember even back then you know before the the fact that this was an african-american 
the only African-American main character in the show, and they had him do this, I remember thinking even back then that this was a little questionable. <laughs> I mean, I, I, like, I can't believe they did that to Michael, <laughs> you know? And yeah. I, I feel like today it would even be harder to do that with, with the, you know, with the, the main African-American character on a show. Yeah, there certainly would probably be a little more uh, blowback or reaction um, today, but uh, and and it is tough. You, you they had to kind of like write Michael off the show in this in this way with um, which you know a lot of people say we've talked about that it, it had to do with Walt. Um, what, what what's his name again? Uh, you know, growing. And I will say like. It's tough for like a character to go break bad or whatever, but as far as like giving your character a crazy story, like Michael does have like over the next like four or five episodes, um, you really get to see uh, Harold Perrineau's like acting range in like portraying this kind of like broken guy and this guilty guy who's like still trying to do good, but he's had to do something evil to help get his son off and. It's a really dynamic uh, uh, character that they, um, you know, put, you know, that he kind of becomes at the end, at the end of this this season. But yeah, I mean, it's also tough to see a guy, you know, you know, shoot down these two women in cold blood like that. Yeah, I, I don't, I, I honestly, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> He's. Um, Again, I think this. I think the Libby one was an accidental one, um, and you could see that almost by his face that he made after he pulled the trigger on her. That oh, oh my goodness, like oh crap, what did I just do? Like you could see it in his eyes. Like this is not supposed to happen. Obviously, I think the Anna Lucia one was supposed to happen. That's why when she gives him the gun, he kind of just looks at it like. All right, I got to get the courage up to do it. And and like you said, Steve, it, it was almost unheard of for something like this to happen back in 2006 when this one came out. And um, but 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 yeah, that that's just that's just my two cents. I think it was a terrible scene. Obviously, we're going to end memoriam on Lucia because <laughs> you know we saw her die on screen. And unless you see, well, you technically you saw Libby die on screen, but. We obviously know Libby won't really die until next episode. Well, um, what was I going to say? That? Well, I think that this was also a uh, opportunistic thing for Michael here. I don't know if he was actually planning to do this right at the moment. It just, you know, there's a gun. It's just the two of them there. And, like, he decided to go for it at this moment. Um I know we're going a little long here, but there's a few other things I, I kind of wanted to touch on. If you guys want to uh, kind of go um, go back a little bit, just we have to talk about Locke. I think that's the the main thing here. Uh, as a, as a huge Locke fan, this is hard for me to watch part of this. Why the heck does he make up the story to to Jack? I never really get this. Because Anosia obviously feels comfortable telling people she, you know, they they deliberately show us tell show us her telling um, Libby, and then yeah, what what is uh, what is going through Locke's head? 
I think I think maybe he didn't want Jack to 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 um put him down, I guess, again for messing up, you know, not being in there with her with him. Um that that kind of thing. I I, I don't I don't I don't know why he made the story. My best guess, you know, because I was wondering that too. The best thing I come up with is that Henry had told him that you know, basically they're going to kill me when they come back. You know, do you know that this isn't going to work? They're going to kill. You know, they're not going to give him Walt, so I'm going to have no, you know, no leverage anymore, no usefulness. They're going to kill me, and I think part of Locke is still trying to figure out you know why didn't you hurt me you know when you had a chance and then he you know he throws this other story at him so i think he i think he was protecting henry here uh yeah. is the reason he did that and didn't want to give them a reason to go actually kill henry that was it, my best guess and one yeah i think that's actually a perfect answer and it may be an extension and in some way he's he's paying henry back for henry saving his life so he did promise to protect him, you know, when, you know, when he was locked under the thing, you know, he promised to protect him if he helped him get out of the, the lockdown room. So he's still, you know, kind of keeping his word there. Yeah. Locke is a, a little bit of a puppy dog here. He's like, <laughs> oh, why didn't, why didn't you try to kill me? Like, I feel <laughs> left out. <laughs> Uh, so um, that kind of answers that, I, I guess. But, but it, it is just like, oh, it's the moment at the beach when Locke is like, Jack, there's something I have to tell you. I, I, I love that. I mean, he played that. Terry O'Quinn did that just absolutely perfect. It's just awesome. Such Locke. good drama. Well, I, I got to say, too, like, I kind of I like the Jack and Locke moment in this episode. We find, you know, Jack and Locke have been at odds for so long. We kind of get a little Jack and Locke team up again back on the same page where, you know, yeah. Jack admit, admits Locke was right. You know, Jack doesn't do that too often. Uh, but I really like that scene, you know, with, with Jack, you know, tell him, hey, you were right. What you and Saeed did was right. And, you know, now what, what are we going to do about it? So I like the team up. I like the little scene with Sawyer and and the the manuscript, the bad twin manuscript. Yeah. Um, you know, Jack had said before, when we need the guns, we'll get the guns, and and you know he's coming back to do it. And, and yeah, at that point, you're kind of caught up in that moment, and you forget about the whole Ana Lucia thing. You know, you you remember when Sawyer remembers. Oh yeah, <laughs> I lost my gun. I do think it's kind of weird that he wouldn't have noticed when he went to put his pants back on that he didn't have his gun. Like, I feel like he should have yeah. noticed it then and not at that point. But, you know, minor, minor detail. But to me, that that scene really led into the end of the episode, which I did not see coming at all. So I, I like the way they, they played this out. Yeah, there's there's a lot of really uh, intense moments, and that's that's a great moment there. Yeah, Jack definitely comes to play. You know, he's playing hardball there, <laughs> and you know, gets the guns back. You know, power to him. I, I mean, it's just you know what a it's a low blow or jerk uh, kind oh, of yeah. move to throw the the manuscript in the fire, but it's also <laughs> hilarious. That whole sequence is great. I gotta find a way to get his attention. 
Yeah, I, we we haven't really mentioned the uh, the rumble in the jungle besides just a little bit at the beginning. <laughs> um, you know, it's a it's a weird scene, um, but it's I mean, there's there's some interesting moments to it. Uh, it. It feels like a kind of a strange thing for Anna's last episode that this you know. <laughs> But uh, you know, she gets the gun, which she ultimately doesn't use, and it's just a weird, yeah, tragic kind of twist of fate. And she steals this gun, and then, it, you know, it's the gun that kills her. I, I gotta say, I, I do kind of like this part of the episode. I mean, Sawyer, you know, we as a, as a viewer, you see, like, he should have figured this out. You know what? Why did he not see this is what she was doing? But, you know, Sawyer does seem to have a bit of a, you know, he's so smart on his cons and stuff, but it seems like where he gets himself into trouble is because of, you know, he, he falls for the ladies. And Mm -hmm. uh, this is just another case of him. Just, you know, he's got that blind spot of, you know, a, a pretty girl and he, he, he makes some mistakes. Um, and I do, I, I enjoyed the fact that you can look back at the beginning of the season and see, you know, they really, you know, Anna Lucia and Sawyer kind of butted heads, you know, from the time they took him, took him captive, you know, on the other side of the island, you know, they have more of a history than Anna Lucia would have with any of the other characters other than, you know, maybe Michael. So I kind of thought to get this payoff to it was, was kind of fun. And the fact that it will maybe even come up later on, you know, when other characters find out about this, such as Kate, who, you know, might have some feelings about it. So I, I, I'm i glad that they got this scene in. Um, I don't know how you guys feel. I mean, at least it was pertaining to the, the, the plot and the main story. <laughs> <clears throat> right. And it wasn't just there just to be there. Yeah, I mean, it 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 does feel like it comes out of nowhere a little bit, but I, but when you say that, I, I get, I guess, I see. Um, I mean, frankly, this is just Anna trying to uh, get win one over on him, and uh, you know, she succeeds. So, yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> well, do you do you have anything else then before we uh we're running? We well, are running um, on tonight. Check well, that out. Yeah. I don't even know when we started, so I don't know. But uh, wait, last thing to know, I, I think there's some comic relief with, with Hurley and uh, Libby. Yeah. But, man, just, like, like, these scenes are hard to watch. Not because they're bad, but because you know what's going to happen. Yeah, the whole picnic, and you feel bad. They really try to, like rub salt in the wound for Hurley that he <laughs> that he is so dumb by forgetting like the he can't even find the right beach and then he forgets the blankets and then she's like I'm gonna get wine like things seem to be like going well for a romantic evening hilarious line when he says ah maybe if I get you drunk enough you'll tell me where I know you <laughs> <laughs> she just kind of kind of looks at him like uh <laughs> which is like so funny and, and I gotta say, even as a viewer, you know, we we just saw Libby at the end of the Dave episode in the mental institution with him. Like, I had a lot of questions about Libby, 
And, you know, this line here adds to it. And it's, I could not believe they killed her off without answering those questions. Like, I remember like, no, they, how did, no, you have to tell us more about Libby. And it's I think, kind of the yeah. writers, it's kind of the writers <laughs> laughing at us. In that line in there. But yeah, we're going to answer this. <laughs> and we're going to. We're going to rub it in uh, for you guys, too. <laughs> Lost was one of a kind in, in the fact that they they would... It was one of the only shows to really, truly either, either start or actually be on TV that would never answer every single question. Because if you look at all the shows we've had, most of them, up till then, answered the questions. Usually by the end of the episode or a season-long arc, they would... It, you know, you you know, like a like a, like a typical sitcom sitcom was. Everybody's happy. Something happens. Somebody makes a mistake. By the end of the episode, they realize they messed up. Apologies. Back to life like normal. This was the first show that, like you said, would give us questions that never gave the answers to those questions. And and Libby was one of those big ones. Now they did say that had they been able to explore, you know, her character a little bit more um, in a later season, they would have explained um, how she ended up there, why she ended up there, what she was doing, that kind of thing. But anyways, just my two or three cents, whatever that means. So, uh, all right, we good? Moving on. Yeah, I'm, that's all I have. <laughs> all right. So in memoriam this week, we have uh, we have we know we have Anna Lucia. Anna Lucia has met her uh, who has met has met her end on a couch from the seventies in a hatch by a nam by a man named Michael. And uh, so Anna Lucia is gone. We no longer will see. Well, actually, we'll see her again in season six. Um, or in season, uh, um, um, she's season oh, no, four. No, no. Yeah, it's it's season, season four. She, she stops Hurley, um, when Hurley's been trumped up on murder charges. And, yeah, that's uh, right. And he gets, so, but, um, but anyway, so we'll see her again, just not in the same capacity, um, in the next few, in the next couple seasons. But as far as in person, in life, goodbye, Anna Lucia. You've been great. Um, you did not take seven episodes to die like Shannon did. You took seven seconds, and um, we we appreciate <laughs> you. you sparing us seven seven episodes. Oh, that sounds we with some morbid stuff tonight. We've talked about Nero. We've talked about seven episodes of Shannon dying, <laughs> as opposed to seven seconds. And shoot, it's a pretty morbid episode. Um, yeah, definitely. <laughs> you could but, say that. it's called Two for the Road. Uh, that's right that's right so we also see libby get shot although she doesn't die in this episode we know she'll die in next episode so we know that next time we see her we'll definitely give her a shout out in memoriam we 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 think she's dead it's almost as if like you said the writers huh oh i just said r.i.p yeah i i'll it's almost as if kind of like you said like the writers the other day 
uh, or earlier where it was trying to trick us and really being you know sneaky with the questions it's almost as if when libby doesn't die next episode the beginning she she takes that breath and she's being helped like oh they did kill libby and at the end oh nope she's gone <laughs> it's just like no really <laughs> so all right here we go then. Our uh, our rating system. So we have a few different ratings people gave, um, which is cool. Which is it's really cool. So one out of twenty three. Uh, I see on here picnic blankets, and I got rumble in the jungle <laughs> in quotation marks. Whatever y'all wanted to believe that as. Uh, there could be another one. Cord, do you burnt, have anything else? Yeah, burnt manuscripts. Burnt manuscripts. <laughs> So uh, out of this rating system, uh, I'm gonna I give it myself 20 out of 23 rumble in the jungles, and uh, or rumbles in the jungle. And uh, I thought uh, I thought it was pretty good. wasn't the best, but I thought it was a pretty good episode. And uh, it definitely moved the story along. It 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 for sure did some things. Uh, so what about you, Corey? Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm going uh, 20 out of 23 burnt manuscripts. Uh, th- this is a hard one to rate. Uh, I'm not going to try not to rant too much about it, but it's like it's, it's, a, it's a weird episode, but like it's so intense. And it's hard to separate the like the kind of meteoric rise that the reputation of this episode, like how big this moment was it's hard to separate that from like how do you rate an episode between one and ten or one and 23 uh so this was a difficult one because in some ways if you're rating this on like impact you'd go like 100 you know 20 23 out of 23 but it was hard to balance that but it's it's a it's a really good episode uh nonetheless yeah and the ever optimistic (laughs) steven Yeah. I, I gave I gave this one a twenty one out of twenty three. But I agree with Corey. It was a very hard ep- very hard episode to to rate. Just be because I mean the 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 ending was so huge and so dark that I feel like you know it may even have been rated higher. Like the ending made it great, but at the same time unenjoyable. <laughs> So, I mean, I don't know how to rate that. So I came up with a 21 out of 23. I I, I don't know that I feel strong on that ranking. But <laughs> yeah, I, I think we'll, we'll forgive you. I would understand anything between, you know, 18 and 23. I could be convinced why someone did that. You know, they could go 100%. I've seen this in, like, yeah. top five episode lists before. I it's wouldn't say that, but I've, I've heard it. Okay, yeah. so uh, we there weren't really any unanswered questions, so we're uh, we're not going to do any of that. Which kind of surprising that we had an there were a few things where uh, I felt like Stephen had a pretty good explanation there. Um, we have pretty much everything answered, but we do have some uh, names here in Sawyer's name dictionary uh, for Ana Lucia. He calls her Muchacha uh, right before the little rumble. And he also refers to her as Little Red Riding Hood. And I believe he refers to himself as the Big Bad Wolf there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> as she's coming to get the guns. And then 
very fittingly, he calls Locke Brutus. Um, uh, I, so. I've got some strong feelings about that, and I think we're going to touch on it in pop corner connections. And I, I may, I've got some thoughts on the on that line. So Uh-oh. get back to that. It is a pretty insulting thing to say, actually, but uh, <laughs> it was that uh, was that one was memorable. So uh, we have some pop culture connections here. First of all, uh, two for the road. This episode uh, shares its title with this 1967 movie starring Albert Finney and Audrey Hepburn. It was considered somewhat experimental for its time because the story is told in a non-linear fashion with scenes from later stages of the relationship juxtaposed with those from its beginning, often leaving the viewer to extrapolate what has intervened, uh, which is sometimes revealed in later scenes. Sounds like an interesting movie. Um, The Hard Way, uh, this song by Casey Chambers is heard on Christian's uh, car radio. It, yeah, it seems like that is supposed to be. It's a bit, it's very distinct when it happens. We need music to turn it on. Uh, um, but uh, and then we have "Walking After Midnight." This song by Patsy Cline is heard on the radio, the car radio as well. We've had a few Patsy Klein songs in this the show. This is a rare pa- a rare Patsy Klein that's not in a Kate episode. I they usually yeah. save that for Kate. Yeah, wow. usually it's a Kate. So. Look at you! That's what I was thinking of. Uh, that first Kate of ta- Tabula Rasa. And then Little Red Riding Hood. When Sawyer catches on Lucia sneaking around, he asks if Little Red Riding Hood is going to follow the big bad wolf back to his stash o guns. This refers to the famous folk tale about a young girl's encounter with a wolf. Uh, Then we have the tragedy of Julius Caesar. Jack and Sawyer get into an argument over the guns. When Locke joins in, Sawyer responds to him, You too, Brutus. This is a quote from the tragedy written by William Shakespeare in 1600. The phrase is widely used in Western culture as an epitome of uh, betrayal. Go ahead, Stephen. All right, here, here's here's my opinion. okay. First <laughs> off, I I always enjoy any reference to Julius Caesar. It, it's my favorite play. It's, um, you know, my previous life as a high school English teacher, it was always my favorite thing to talk about. I love the line "et tu brute." I use it in conversation all the time. But in this case, I don't feel like it fits, and the reason why is because. You know, in this movie, Brutus is is one of the Julius Caesar's friends who stabs him. In in this story, Sawyer stole the guns from Locke. He he set out to make a fool of Locke and took the guns from him. So Locke helping get the guns back is in no way a betrayal. It is simply like Locke and Sawyer aren't friends. <laughs> like to, I just don't know that he really he wasn't betraying him here in any way. Jack said he was going to come back and get the guns. He stole them from Locke, and they're coming back to get them. So I, I just didn't know if it fit. However, I love that that uh, Sawyer used the line, and I, I fully support that. So two things about what Steven just did. Number one, we officially have, after 45, 44 episodes, Steven's first rant on the episode. Yes. <laughs> on, on the podcast. Congratulations. It happened to do with Sawyer misprotoporting by two Brute. Number two, I can let, like you, I can let Sawyer slide with this because we know Sawyer never finished school. 
<laughs> so maybe he heard the line, he picked up on it, he never actually read Julius Caesar. It probably wasn't in the luggage <laughs> on the plane. So, but he just he's heard somebody say, "Oh, that sounds pretty good." But yeah, go, Stephen! Congratulations on your first chance <laughs> on the podcast. Yes, that was awesome. Yeah, Disoyer is definitely being over dramatic. He's being a little whiny here because yeah, he's he's this is he's he had it coming. He took the guns from them first. So yeah, I now that was really interesting. You brought that up because uh, we'll see that a little bit differently now. Yeah, it wasn't really betrayal, but it's more like what's good for the goose is good for the gander. Come on. Okay, say anything. Curly tells uh, Saeed to check out this eighteen or nineteen eighty nine movie. It is considered one of the greatest modern movie romances. Uh, in your eyes, this song by Peter Gabriel is also mentioned by Hurley. The scene where the uh, main character of the movie appears outside his former girlfriend's bed, bedroom window at night holding the boombox over his head playing the song uh, is a standard pop culture reference. It's it's a classic reference. So I thought I saw that on um, the Goldbergs. Did Adam yeah. Goldberg do that? <laughs> I think in, he did. I, I think in about every sitcom, they need to have this reference. To Somebody do that. Oh, yeah. I, I will say I'm really disappointed we didn't get to see uh, Hurley doing that with the little transceiver radio. I think that would have been a great visual, and I'm bummed we didn't get to see it. Yeah. Uh, so then we have Midnight Cowboy. When Christian opens his car door, Sawyer uh, runs into it and calls out, I'm walking here. Uh, this is a famous quote from the this 1969 movie. And we have the Flintstones when Hurley is looking for the secluded beach so that he can share a romantic getaway with Libby. He gets lost after he passes the same landmark three times. Libby points out this is like the Flintstones, this American animated television series, which uh, regularly used the rolling back backgrounds to uh, represent movement. So. Uh, yeah, that was that was pretty funny. <clears throat> uh, Crime and Punishment. This novel by Russian author uh, Dostoevsky. Do, when I say it faster, Dostoevsky. 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 Uh, may have inspired several key elements of Michael's story. In this episode, Michael kills Ana Lucia in order to free Henry, but is forced to kill Libby as she accidentally witnesses the murder scene. Similarly, in Crime and Punishment. Uh, Rodion, is that right? Rodon, Rod. I'm just sure. butchering that. Whatever. Uh, uh, assassinates a pawnbroker, but is forced to kill an innocent witness, the pawnbroker's sister, Liz Lizaveta, uh, the Russian equivalent of oh Elizabeth. Thank you. Uh, I should <laughs> I should read that first. In Meet Kevin Johnson, a season four episode, uh, Michael goes to a pawn shop to trade in a Rolex watch in Crime and Punishment. The main protagonist uh, exchanges his dead father's watch for a loan by a pawnbreaker. And definitely some some correlations, uh, and we've, we've had some references to Dostoevsky uh, before. Uh, Bad Twin. Sawyer is reading the, the manuscript of this meta-fictional tie-in novel before Jack throws it in the fire. Uh, great stuff. All right. So, as we put an end to two to the road, two for the road. Next episode, we're going to kind of go down a different path with the question mark episode, just titled mm. question mark. Is that kind of like 
Is that kind of like Prince? Uh, the, the, the symbol? I don't know. Shortest <laughs> title. Mini episode. It's like, uh, it's like the writers thought, guys, what are we supposed to name this episode, really? <laughs> what, what, what do we call this? I don't know. Somebody forgot forgot to give it a title. <laughs> one, one last kind of, it's not really a pop, pop culture reference, but if anybody remembers the Dear Sister videos... The the what you say it was an SNL uh, skit called Dear Sister where they were making fun of the OC a murder scene and every time it has Shia LaBeouf and uh, they're shooting these guns and every time they shoot the gun it goes mm, what you say it's just ridiculous this was like a viral video when there was no such thing uh, like 2006 or whatever. They they made a version for Lost basically any version where somebody gets shot but. If you're bored, you know, Google or look that up on YouTube. I'm sure you can find it. And uh, it's pretty interesting seeing this scene, but but they switched the music on it. <laughs> Changes the whole dynamic. But, uh, man, those are some funny videos. They did, like, one for everything. Uh, the SNL skit is fan. The first thing was great, too. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> and so are we here on Previous on Lost. You can follow us, the network, at RetroZapped. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, at Lost Rewatch Pod. Uh, Instagram, Previously on Lost Podcast. Facebook, Facebook.com slash Previously on Lost. You can find me on Twitter, at the DC Mike. You can find Steven. Where can we find you, my friend? At Lucky13Steve on Twitter. That's right. And Corey, where can we find you on Twitter? At Original Mav on Twitter, yeah. All right, and you can go into our RetroZap Discord, guys, and join us anytime. We'd love to have you in there uh, talking some loss with us. So that's been two for the road, and we'll be back next time with question mark. And uh, mm-hmm. until uh, until then, peace out, everybody. Stay safe. Wear a mask. Be kind. Congratulations, Chiefs. Too bad, Tom Brady. We'll see you. Uh, on the, on the on, we'll see you on the other side guys peace out peace out have a good one